The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, beginning with the second chapter. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples begun to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did? When he and his companions were hungry and in need of food, he entered the house of God where Abathar was the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind, and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. When he said to the man who had the withered hand, Come forward. Then he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at the hardness of their heart and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out immediately and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Seems like we have more than one visitor here today, so I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Pastor Ben. I work here. <laughs> Last week, we all gathered here, and I asked you to fill out a sheet. And what you were going to do is you're going to take a sheet like this, and they had some questions, because some of us were baptized. We had a long time ago, water poured on our head where God said that God loved us very, very much. And that love is always with us. And at each baptism, there's a couple people that stand with us. Sometimes parents, sometimes sponsors. I wanted you to ask those people who stood with you on that day these questions. What was my baptism day like? Who is God? And how did you get to know God when you were my age? And how do you get to know God now? Now, I know we all didn't get these last week, but I want to ask, did anybody bring those back today? Oh, good. Oh, good. Well, here's what we're going to do. Did anyone not get one of these? There you go. Would you like one? There you go. Would you like one? There you go. Would you like one? There you go. 
Now, here's what I want you to do if you just got these. If you've been baptized, ask your parents or your grandparents or anybody else about this. If you've not been baptized, I want you to ask these questions as best you can to the someone who has told you about God before. Okay? Someone who's told you about God before. It could be a mom or a dad. It could be a brother or a sister. It could be a friend. It could be me. You can do whatever you want. Okay? So we're going to do some of these this week and some of these next week because I think it's going to take some time to do them all. All right. So who brought their paper back this week? Very good. Uh, let's see. Finn, can we start with you? Oh, very good. Now you're going to help me out with this. Uh, what? I can read it here, but can you tell me what your baptism day was like? First of all, who's your godparent? Who would you interview? Uh, my sister and my brother. Your sister and your brother. Very good. Now, when you interviewed them, what did they say your baptism was like? You're not sure? All right, let's read what you got. Pastor dipped your head into the font. So did he hold you by the feet and just dip you in? No. Something like that, okay. And then put oil in the sign of the cross on your forehead to take away your sins. Nice. Do you remember that? No, that's okay. I don't remember it either. Now when you asked, who is God and how did you get to know God when you were my age? They said... God is the father of everyone. I got to know God through church and my dad and grandma and grandpa and by going to church. That one looks like it's in your hand. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And finally, how'd you get to know God now? Still through going to church, still through dad and grandma and grandpa and by Pastor Ben. What's that? Talking. Talking. Nice. That's very good. Are you glad that people help you out with coming to know God? Mm -hmm. Finn, how do you get to know God? Going to church. Some of the same stuff. Going to church, right? Right. Every once in a while, I bet I say something good. Nice. Do you mind if I keep this? Mm -hmm. Okay. Who else filled theirs out? Nice. Uh, actually, let's mix it up. RJ, can we hear you? Nice. And who did you interview? Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. Yeah. So when they were baptizing you, they were kind of nervous, weren't they? They've never done that before. And 
you get to know with people older than you, but he gets to know who God is with someone younger than him too. That's pretty cool. Now, RJ, how do you get to know God? You come here, right? Yeah. 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 Very good. All right. I want to do one more, okay? We might have to save some for next week. Cooper, can we do you? All right. Who did you interview? Uncle Ian and Aunt Emily. Very good. So they said, your baptism day was a lot of fun and very special. When, they asked, when you asked who is God and how they get to know God when they were your age, they said going to church and Sunday school, children's sermons and Sunday school. And how do you get to know God now? Lots of praying and listening to Pastor Chris. I bet he's a good pastor. Yeah. And they also wrote that God is a father and guiding light to everyone. Very wise. Cooper, how do you get to know God now? Going to church? Yeah, yeah. Listening, praying. Yeah. Each one of these represents somebody. Is about somebody who's not even here today, right? Well, your, your people are here, but not everybody's here. These people help us know who God is. They take care of us. You know what? I bet that we can do the same. I bet that we can take care of others and let them know who God is too. That we can still learn, just like your uncle, at the same time that we're teaching. That we can come to church and still tell people about church. That we can have a lot of fun when we're here too. I'll bet that we can learn who God is and share who God is at the same time. So here's what I want you to do. If you just got a paper, go home, fill it out, bring it back next week. If you still have a paper, keep it with you and bring it back next week too because I want to do the rest of these. And if you turned your paper in, think about how do you get to know God? How do you tell others about God? Okay? All right. I'm really glad these people these people help you know who God is. Are you glad? Okay. You're indifferent. But I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. Should we pray? Let's pray. God, we are very thankful. We are thankful for aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, friends that stand up beside us and remind us that no matter who we are, no matter what, you love us very, very much. Thank you for loving each and every one of us in our baptisms and even well before them. Thank you for being a God that uses so many people to teach us about you. And help us to teach others about you too. Help us to care for others too. In your name we pray. Amen. Now we have a basket, and you're each welcome to take one snack out of the basket.
Jesus. Amen. I believe that we are all caretakers. I believe that we all have things that we care for. In church, we use the word steward. I believe that we all take care of something somewhere and we are taught it throughout life. We make sure to care for money because we know how hard it is to get it and how easily it flows through our hands. So in everything we do in our lives, I am sure you try to make sure it doesn't slip through your hands too quickly. I bet you keep track of it. I bet you keep care of it. We keep care of family and friends. We keep care of brothers and sisters and parents. We make sure that they have something to eat and somewhere to live as best as we can. I believe that we keep care of stories. That we tell one another stories about our parents and our grandparents, about our children or our children's children, to people who aren't even there or may, maybe don't even know these people. We make sure that stories are told and told well. I believe we're caretakers from the youngest age. Remember your plate? Remember eating when you were young? Someone, or you yourself, would put something on that plate by the grace of God. And you'd eat it. Now, if you had more room in your stomach, you might get a little bit more. Or if you didn't have enough room in your stomach, you didn't eat all of it. But if there was extra food left after you were finished, you were told. You were told not to waste food. You were told to take care of the food and to be careful about what you take and what you don't. Because food is important, and you don't waste it. Because you're a caretaker. And it's important to take care of the things that are given to you, from your plate to the rest of life. Now, I've never had a hard time clearing my plate. But I did learn that from a very young age. The first lesson that we had today, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. The Sabbath is a fancy word for a day of rest. God, when God created the heavens and the earth, rested after that work. And he sought throughout the lifetime of his people, throughout the lifetime of all of humanity, for us as humans, as children of God, to be able to rest. See, we told ourselves the whole story of the Old Testament last week, if you were here, and you remember probably that right here, this man, whose name is Moses, took the Ten Commandments, and he brought them down from Mount Sinai, and on them, the third one was honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. But then he broke them. 
Then he went back up the mountain and he came down again with a second uh, set of tablets. But that's not actually where our story today comes from. See, our lesson today comes from Deuteronomy. <laughs> and Deuteronomy takes place a little bit after this. You see, after they received these commandments, after they were told in many, many words to be with God, to act like God, and remember to rest. They were about to enter what's called the promised land, and we talked about this last week. But they didn't really believe it. They didn't really believe that they were gods, and they didn't really believe that God was going to do what God said, and everything kind of went terribly wrong. And so God said, you know what? We're going to take a 40-year time out. You just kind of wander in the desert for a while. And then they were about to enter the promised land again. They were going to try it one more time. And there is where our story comes from. You see, Deuteronomy, it's short. Well, it's not short. It literally means, in Latin, second law. Deutero, two. Namas, law. Second law. The second time technically the third time, that they were hearing the Ten Commandments, that they were hearing who they are and who God is, that they were hearing who God is to live with God and to remember to rest. The Sabbath. The day of rest. I imagine that on this day of rest, throughout time, there's been various patterns. That just like you, that we've heard these things more than once, and that over time we've had patterns on how we spend our Sabbath days, our days of rest. And so I want to ask, what has your pattern been for Sabbath? What has your teaching been for Sabbath? What do you do on the day of rest? We do have some guests and visitors here. When I ask a question, often we'll answer. So, a reminder for us all. So what's your pattern on the day of rest? Go to church. Very good. Take a nap. Yep. Mow the lawn, make dinner. Walk. Read. Get together with family. <coughs> Visit relatives. Visit relatives. We did that a lot. Play music. Play music. Practice. Yeah. Not really play, just practice. Both. Both. We, we have some people here that are just a hair bit older than I am. So I want to see if you remember some of this. Um, once upon a time, there were uh, stores that would close on Sundays in the name of the Sabbath. Um, those were a type of law. What were they called? Blue laws. So we do remember. <laughs> stores weren't open. Um, often uh, activities didn't happen. And if they did happen, they had special purpose. I, as a pastor, sometimes miss those laws. Not because I think that that's how we should honor the Sabbath. Purely out of selfish reasons. I don't like working so hard to get people here. 
it'd be nice if they only had one option. <laughs> then again, when the day is tough and you want to drink at the end of Sunday, it's kind of nice that the blue walls aren't there. It's a joke. We used to have a break midweek too, where Wednesdays didn't have a whole lot of things on them. I remember those. You might be surprised to know that I don't believe that that's how Sabbath was intended to be lived. You see, when these laws were given to God's people, they were not yet a nation. When these laws were given to God's people, they were not a kingdom. They were not in a position of governance. They had no land. They were wandering. These were never meant to be laws where we only had one option of what to do that day. And so we simply just kind of did that. These laws were different. These laws were meant to be in the heart and the bones of God's people so that when it was a day of rest, it didn't matter if there were other options or not. The whole community knew to stop and to rest. It didn't matter if the ancient Israelite gas station was open. It didn't matter if the ancient Israelite movie theater was open. Stop, rest. I believe that is a good Sabbath for us too. A good rest for us too. Because as we remember, God and God's infinite wisdom rested after six days of creating and God making us in God's image asks us to rest too. Not because we're so tired that we can't bear to stand up again. And not because we're so busy that our heads are spinning. Let me ask, show of hands, who would describe themselves as busy? I'm your pastor. I describe myself as busy sometimes. I would ask, who of you groans a little bit when you sit down at the end of the day? I don't even sit down when I get in the door and I groan. Like, it's just... These are signs that the rest is well overdue. Our stories are important because the stories that we center ourselves on will become the stories that we live out. My mom had a different way of saying it. Be careful what you tell yourself because you will come to believe it. I imagine that we tell ourselves that we are busy that we tell ourselves that there is no time, that we tell ourselves that it cannot all get done in the day, we tell ourselves to keep working, we tell ourselves to keep moving. I don't know how many of us tell ourselves that we are people of Sabbath. I don't know how many of us tell ourselves that we are caretakers of one another. I don't know if we often tell ourselves that it is, it is indeed right our duty and our joy that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to God. Through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, this means that we rest.
This means that the stories we tell one another here are our stories our whole lives long. And that, if it is not explicitly required for life, for your living, your breathing, and your sustenance, then it can indeed stop for a while. And you may indeed have rest. Now I understand that jobs require us to come in seven days a week sometimes. I understand that from time to time we don't get to choose those jobs, though from time to time we do. That's why I look forward to this moment. There are a few places on earth anymore where the sole purpose is to come to a place with people of every kind to sit, to rest, to hear good news, to sing, and be refreshed. This is church. This week, hear the story that you are a people of rest, that once every seven days, We sit down together, we pray together, and we rest. If that story indeed conflicts with the story you tell yourself throughout life, sorry. But it's a good story, and it's our story. We are people of rest. Graduates, Casey and Patrick, I'm blanking on your name and I feel embarrassed. Say it out loud. Oh, Dustin. (sighs) Audrey will tell me more than once later. It'll be fine. I know what it is to graduate. And I know what it is to study. I know what it is to go into college or into the workforce or to, you know, write a billion applications for a job. We are people of rest. You'll have employment. You'll have food. You'll have money. You'll have what you need. We are people of rest. And so when everyone else wants to tell you that the only way to get ahead is by working well into the morning till well late at night, not sleeping and grinding, I am here to tell you that we are people of rest that your community will support you in this, and that we will too try to model this for you. You need not be the only ones resting. God be with you in your Sabbath. God be with you in your stories. And God be with us as we try to model rest. Thanks be to God for the Sabbath. Amen.